I'm Liam Crilly, Director of Product Management at Nginx. So I look after uh, the roadmap for Nginx Plus, our commercial product, uh, and of course also get involved in what goes into our open source software. Nginx is the leading web server and reverse proxy uh, for the busiest sites on the internet. And uh, everything we do is about making applications run flawlessly you know, and so for us that means reliably securely and and at scale so actually i mean my background uh before i got more into writing things i actually was a php developer for many years um working primarily with uh, drupal um and we always had scalability issues because it was so heavy on the database. Um, and back in those days, those heady days of less than 10 years ago, um, mostly we were using Apache. And I remember when Nginx came along and everyone started talking about it and wanting to use it. Um, and I don't know if I completely understood enough detail at the time to know why, but Maybe if you could briefly explain some of the differences between the kind of the, the top-level technical difference between, say, Apache and Nginx and why you might want to use Nginx over other options. Sure. So before I start, it's fair to say that Apache has come a long way uh, since, since those, those, uh, that time. So um, if I start by explaining uh, why Nginx... You know, started to become popular so quickly, um, you know, circa 10 years ago when, when stuff started to go, you know, really ramp up in terms of adoption. Um, I will uh, I'll start there and um, you know, balance that a little bit. Um, but that's not exactly how the way the world is now. But primarily, it's the architectural difference and the fundamental design of Nginx that makes it uh, scale better, makes it uh, more lightweight, so it's got a really small footprint and it's at its heart, it has uh, an event driven architecture. And so that means that there's one copy of the, of the application code and there are, uh, there might be numerous workers, but those workers tend to scale with CPU cores as opposed to scaling with connections. So the original versions of Apache and what you'd have been using back in the, the Drupal days, would be that every time a connection comes in, a new version uh, of Apache is fought. And so that, you think about memory utilization when you start to have lots of concurrent connections. It just, it's, it's linear and it's significant and you run out of memory very quickly. What happens with Nginx, what makes it different, is that when a request comes in, it's just put into a queue. And there's this event queue and it's managed in a per worker process and we go round and round a loop. And the, the best description that I've, that I've heard of it is it's like a grandmaster playing chess. And these big tournaments where you might have a grandmaster playing 20, 50 simultaneous games. So, so he's got an idea of where each game is. He walks around the room and he makes his move. Uh, and if his opponent hasn't moved yet, he goes to the next thing. And that's analogous to a huge number of web-based HTTP clients coming in on various various different behaviors and on various speeds, sending their requests in. And so when we have a complete request, only then do we then make a, an upstream activity and, and hand it off 
either to the file system to serve a static file or to the network to, uh, to reverse proxy. And that means that we can, we only need to allocate you know, 10K or, or, or that sort of number for each new request that comes in, just enough to hold the request metadata and know, what, and know the status of it. So we can scale, and the original goal of Nginx when Igor Sosoyev created it was to solve a computer science problem of supporting 100,000, sorry, 10,000 connections on a single piece of hardware, a single server box. That was a struggle for you know, all the web servers of the day. Uh, now, with modern hardware and with Nginx uh, and its you know, level of maturity, we can scale to hundreds of thousands of concurrent connections without breaking a sweat and on, on, on quite modest hardware. So it's the inherent efficiency which made it popular. Uh, the, the, the configuration syntax is very easy to get your head around in, in C style, semicolons. It was attractive to developers throwing up simple websites for development purposes. It was attractive to operations teams because it used far fewer resources, super stable and reliable. And interestingly, it's, that, it's those same principles which have made us super popular in the container world. So Nginx is the number one download on Docker Hub. And you know, my belief is that's for the same reason. It's super lightweight, small memory footprint. If you don't do much with it, it doesn't take up many resources. And if you want to hammer it, it will respond very well. And you can you can scale it quite quite easily and that level of simplicity reliability and and, and predictability too you know it, it it does what you ask it to do uh, you don't see very many uh, outlier behavior the, the, the configuration syntax is extremely uh, consistent and the documentation coverage is is the same and so all these things make it this is a, so, so one of the, I was going to save these for later, but seeing as you've brought it up twice in the past sort of minute, one of the questions I received from uh, some people I asked for questions <laughs> was, um, uh, why did you go with your choice um, for configs and not use something like JSON or YAML or TOML? Uh, that's a great question. I think the, the best answer is to say that Nginx was conceived back in 2001 and those were not common formats. Yeah, good point. <laughs> uh, so, what, uh, and it's amazing just what difference that's made in, in the tech and software generally, having these uh, nice standardized uh, text file formats. But yeah, it, it, it's just a, uh, an artifact of the maturity of Nginx as it is today. Okay. And, um, let's actually, let's, let's go back in time. You say about 10 years ago. I mean, I also remember about 10 years ago hearing the name for the first time. So what is the origin story of Nginx? Who created it? What itch were they trying to scratch? Um, and then when did it become a company as well? Sure. So it, it started, as I said, in 2001 was the, was the idea for Nginx. Uh, it was the idea of uh, an engineer working at Rambler, which is a, a Russian internet portal back in uh, back in the day. Uh, still exists, of course. Um, the, uh, uh, if you, very very similar to uh, what Yahoo looked like at the same time. And uh, the internet was 
growing in uh, in volume and the Apache based web portal for Rambler was struggling to cope. And Igor Sisoyev, uh, the engineer, thought that he uh, yeah, he would like to solve that problem as it was causing him you know, genuine day-to-day headache. And he was also aware of the, the C10K problem, this computer science problem for, for supporting 10,000 concurrent connections on a single server box. That was the genesis of where Jets came from. So he then started to write. He had this event-driven architecture idea in mind and he started to write it. Um, it wasn't until 2004 that he made up his first public release. And uh, it was a further three years before he claims it was viable. Although by that time, it had quite a lot of interest um, in around Russia because they were, all the documentation was in Russian. Uh, so it grew and grew, and there was a little open source team uh, with Igor and a few others, and it became, yeah, like many open, successful open source projects, uh, it was becoming a full-time, full-time gig. So he uh, resisted for a, a number of years, but uh, eventually some, uh, yeah, some, some friends and he decided that they would make a commercial company to, to help Nginx the software move forwards. And that was in 2011. So Nginx was formed in 2011 with uh, Igor and two other co-founders. Before we, actually, got... before we move on to the more detail on the, the, the kind of the, the commercial side, because I would actually like to cover that a little bit more, I'd just like to, just talking about, so you're looking at nearly, um, yeah, nearly 10 years of sort of, usable releases but your your version numbers are very low um and i just wonder what the kind of reasoning you're the, a product guy what, what's the reasoning behind the version numbers you've just released 112 and 113 uh, a couple of months ago which for a 10 year old product seems like a, a very low version number so what's the, your rationale on versioning and how do you handle it uh so i think you can thank the stoic open source community for <laughs> not having marketing led <laughs> version numbers. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so version zero of Nginx ran for a long time. Um, so zero point one was was two thousand and four, um, and let's see. I'll, I'll get the uh, the number we we went to. Um, and and so version one was when Igor considered the product. Mature, you know, without, yeah. Uh, and uh, there was some, you know, some significant technical changes there too, right? But um, that that took us through, yeah, many many releases. So now we're on version one of Nginx, and uh, we're on two branches: a mainline and a stable. So mainline is it, 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 it's not fair to call it a development branch. It's it's thoroughly tested and it underpins the commercial product. Um, and we have uh, that takes the uh, one dot odd numbers, and then stable is takes the one dot even numbers, and it gets a snapshot from mainline annually. So the last time we did that was April this year. Then we bumped one dot ten to one dot twelve, uh, and one dot twelve was then taken from the most uh, taken from the mainline branch. And so, interestingly, 
at that moment in time and for a few weeks, our stable version was the most up-to-date and newest release that we had. Uh, so yeah, we're um, just to, to, to build you in on the stats, 1.0 uh, was April 2011. And it was a, a with the change log of three bug fixes. <laughs> It's nice. I think it's, uh, you know, we've got so used to now with some software, these constant versions where like, I don't know, Chrome is running version 56 or something crazy um, or such a long time between changes. No one can even remember what's in it anymore. Um, <laughs> it's it's yeah, kind of nice, nice to have these very concrete, just simple, yeah. easy to remember versions. It's like, yeah, we trust the product. It's okay. Not much has changed. And it's Right? It's, it's, it's simple, it's predictable, it's reliable. Yeah. There'll be a mainline release every six weeks. It's kind of what you want from and, a server, uh, really. You don't really need it to do anything particularly fancy. You just want it to work. <laughs> but, uh, but increasingly, you need it to be up to date. It needs to follow the, you know, the standards and the specs um, and the supporting technologies that, you know, that come around. So you know, uh, that covers things like... Um, you know, Test validating against OpenSSL or HTTPS 1.3. Um, so there's always moving, um, but at, at the core, it needs to be. Uh, it just needs to be to be reliable, be so predictable. Let's actually. So before we get into the the commercial differences, um, I mean we've talked a little bit about the the changes in requirements. I mean I say I, I encountered Nginx as a kind of more traditional in in quote marks sort of website serving but um you've already mentioned that you're very popular with with docker and microservices i can also see um sort of cloud-based features i don't know if nginx handles anything remotely related with any iot-based services but what are some of the have you had to do many changes in recent years to kind of match new requirements or was was getting nginx to run in kind of modern infrastructures reasonably straightforward so it was reasonably straightforward, and you know, that's a sort of testament to you know, the original sort of simplicity and extensibility of it. Um, the big, big engineering efforts in recent years have been around HTTP two, and where it was the beginning of that cycle. And that was actually one of the other questions I got. Perhaps something about HTTP two. I don't really know what they wanted to know, but I think you're about to go into some details. <laughs> uh, well, I, well, I, I, I can't. For sure. Well, well, just to wrap up on that. So, HP two was a significant addition. You know, it, it's a, the, the spec is uh, is extensive, and there are still uh, items of the HTTP two spec that we uh, have on the roadmap to be building. But so that was significant. The other significant part of uh, you know, done recently is uh, to allow for modules to be loaded dynamically. So, Nginx you know, forever has had pluggable modules, but pluggable in the sense of you write them in C and compile them. So whilst that's the same, you can now uh, compile them separately and, and load them in. And that requires some significant changes to the, the core architecture of Nginx to make things uh, out load shared objects. So those were two two things. Um, I mean, you're right to mention IoT, for example, um, of, and it segues slightly to our commercial product where um, as more and more use cases drove us towards 
optimizing our reverse proxy functionality and that becoming almost the in terms of popular websites that's where we deployed as well as serving static files and that traditional web server use case you described and uh, that led us to build some in our commercial product but an awful lot in open source too is to be a fully featured application delivery controller so you know an adc in the uh, yeah, data center speak and so that came with implementation of load balancing algorithms and it came with implementation of layer four load balancing so udp and tcp now beyond http um, and i guess that kind of brings us back to uh, iot use cases and uh, we yeah we have customers yeah, commercial customers and and, and open source uh, users using us for all manner of all manner of things. I, IoT being one, and certainly one that's that's on the rise. Mm-hmm. Okay, so but, oh, sorry, carry on. Yep. Uh, well, I just got to kind of bring that back to HTTP uh, two as you um, had some questions around that. So it's a you know we have a continual improvement program around HTTP two. We you know, delivered uh, the core. HTTP2 use case, which was around HTTP2 termination. So you allowing Nginx to expose the site as being HTTP2 aware, whilst the back end doesn't need any changes. And that, yeah, that can provide significant improvements for many sites and applications. Uh, but there's a heap of other stuff to do. Um, we're about, uh, in fact, just one of the most recent open source releases in the last month or so, now include support for HTTP2 trailers, uh, and we're also looking at uh, building support for server push and you know, the other parts of the HTTP2 spec which aren't in the product today. So uh, that's something which you can expect us to continue to uh, pioneer and deliver functionality to that as it reflects what we see happening uh, as it reflects you know, what our customers are asking for and what the open source community uh, is trying to use HTTP2 for. Yeah. And is that likely to be significant enough change that it might be a version 2? Or... <laughs> no. 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 Okay. So <laughs> if, we consider that, yeah, that the code base we have is a version 1 code base. Yeah. And okay. if we have version 2, it might be a different code base. Okay. So, Fair enough. Uh, no. All right. So... I mean, Nginx has been around for a while, uh, so I guess I would say, you could say that the uh, your separation of sort of open source and commercial has been successful, uh, and it's always refreshing to meet open source uh, projects that are able to work um, on those different levels. So, what's the what what do you add to Nginx to the commercial product, and and how do you differ from just a commercial supplier of an Nginx server? I mean, do you offer anything different from all the other third parties that do that too? So let me cover that second item first of all. So we differ significantly in that we, the employees of Nginx run the open source project. You know, we take external contribution to the project, but, you know, we have full-time staff who dedicate uh, an awful lot of their time to keeping the open source project uh, healthy and efficient. And uh, that means that when you buy Nginx Plus, our commercial software, that you're not just buying technical support on an open source 
you know, the, the technical support, the people, you know, if, you, if you need help, are the people who are, you know, sit next to the open source team that write the software and the professional services team, which help organizations you know, like Netflix uh, you know, build out super high performance environments with our, our software and our technology. So you're, you're buying into an awful lot of expertise and you know, the core engineering team are accessible. So that, that's what makes it, I think, significantly different to, to other uh, open source companies. Um, but on top of all that, we also have commercial functionality, which uh, isn't in the open source product, and that we, we try carefully to target in a way that doesn't remove functionality from the open source community, but is attractive to enterprise customers who are looking for enterprise type integrations and a level of monitoring and programmability that you can need when you know, you're generating revenue off, off the back. And I could see features that you could, if you wanted to add on with other services, like service discovery using DNS as part of Nginx Plus. If you were just using the open source version, you could use something else to add that if you wanted. But you, you can. can yeah, package. In some cases, there are community modules you can plug in to get that yeah, functionality. In other cases, there's some uh, reasonably decent workarounds to achieve the same sort of thing. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's a great example uh, of a, a feature that is in our commercial product, um, but not necessarily, the use case isn't necessarily out of reach of the, uh, the open source community. Um, so, and the goal with Nginx Plus, uh, in the, yeah, the first release of that was in 2013, and we're about to release, release 13 next month, is to target the ADC, marketplace that I described earlier. So yeah, we went after the load balancer and ADC use cases which were people weren't looking for from an HTTP reverse proxy or a web server. And so we put a lot of effort in there, such things such as active health checks and uh, on the by configuration APIs. Uh, the service discovery has been a you know, particularly useful when you're looking at deploying in uh, sophisticated container environments uh, around Kubernetes, for example. And we have an ingress controller for Kubernetes, which uh, uses those on-the-fly configuration items to provide a more responsive, more reliable ingress controller than you might be able to achieve with, with the open source product. But the open source, yeah, but at the same time, uh, yeah, the community open the ingress controller is, is very popular and works very well. So that's the, if you like, the the mission, the, the ethos of, of the the commercial software, um, and so that would extend to use cases such as real time monitoring. So you know, customers pulling in stats into a you know, enterprise dashboard with you know, you know, a private API to do that. That's something that we think is. Yeah, you know, an, an enterprise feature, and that's why that's in the commercial version. Actually, that's an interesting thing because I think one of the questions I was asked was about API access. So you do have one, but it's reserved <laughs> for certain customers. Yes, all, all of our customers, all of our commercial customers uh, have access to uh, an API. It's it doesn't give you complete coverage over all of the configuration. Um, that's, a, that's available, but it does cover common use cases such as 
managing the uh, the servers that are in the particular balancing group, you know, taking servers in and out, changing their weighting. And uh, it, that allows for you know, enterprise mission critical deployment types like uh, canary testing, blue green deployments that can be integrated within that system to manage uh, the availability of different backends. So, yeah, that's how, that's how the API fits. Okay, so. Um... Kind of slowly uh, bringing a conversation to a to a wrap up. Um, what's we've already mentioned a few uh, things you're working on, and obviously you've just had a couple of releases. But what's what's on the roadmap at the moment? What's the the next kind of features you're excited by that you'd like to let people know about? Uh, so let me break that down into uh, what's. What's what's coming in open source and what's coming in our commercial product? Um, so, uh, first of all, around open source, you're going to see a lot of activity around HTTP2. We've done a heap of bug fixes. We've just put in uh, support for trailers, and we're currently figuring out how how we're going to be building HTTP server push. So that's a that's going to be significant for. Uh, for many open source users. Another sort of long-term item on our roadmap is a module called EngineScript. This is our, our own implementation of a JavaScript VM that runs in the context of each request. And it allows for quite sophisticated programmatic use cases for configuration. So it means that if you need to... Uh, look at requests, look at responses, and you know, use some code to make decisions about perhaps how you route that request, about you know, actually ways of rewriting, all manner of uh, use cases. Um, Script provides a way of, of doing that. There's a very efficient uh, and healthy project around uh, Lua that actually do the same. Um, but we thought it was important that we, we, we own a way of having programmatic configuration that's developed by ourselves and using a language which is perhaps more familiar to your front-end developer, the more easy accessible and easy to get started with. Uh, and so we've got a dedicated team around script that we'll be bringing out. Now we're getting to the point where our language support is quite comprehensive. There'll be more and more uh, hooks into the engine nginx processing phases. What was the? I, I think I heard you correctly, um, but correct me if I'm wrong. Um, what was the? Why did you decide to go with Lua for that? Oh, no, so Lua already exists as, as a project. Oh. Okay, okay, it, it okay. isn't project, and so we we, we chose JavaScript for Post our. JavaScript. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I. Fair enough. I think I miss I misheard something there. Okay, cool. And in the commercial version, then, so what's what's coming up there? The commercial version, we have a uh, release in the, in the next four to six weeks coming up. R thirteen will have um, a an all new API. So some of those use cases I described uh, in, brought together under a, a single unified API. Uh, it will provide for those programmatic use cases that, that I described. Um, but in a, uh, a more coherent way. We will have a um, 
improve support for clustering and uh, this, this year. So clustering is something which our customers have been asking us for uh, for a long time. Uh, in the last release, we provided a configuration synchronization solution across multiple instances in a cluster. And uh, we'll be extending that so that uh, the features of Nginx Plus are uh, cluster aware. So for example, if you're performing rate limiting, using Nginx as an API gateway, and you want to control rate limit, and you've got a cluster, you want to make sure that rate limit is, is evenly applied across all the instances, uh, rather than individually determined. Uh, so that will, that will take us a, a massive step forward towards uh, having those enterprise-grade load balancing capabilities. So I also, I mean, uh, if anyone is interested in kind of uh, reading about some more uh, specific use cases, especially I saw a couple there on IoT. Your contributions to the Nginx blog, blog have got some uh, quite useful use cases. Um, and yeah, I saw at least two or three there around IoT, as soon as we covered it. But also coming up in the next six weeks, you have um, Nginx Conf. Uh, you're also speaking about engine script, so <laughs> so you get some uh, more details. I'm also speaking about IoT. And, yeah, there uh, you go. So. <laughs> uh, the, uh, yeah, and that's that's just on the the core internet side. There'll be some other uh, interesting product announcements coming from other members of the team. So I think that will be a uh, there'll be lots to be uh, looking out for yeah. during our user conference. And that's in in, um, in Portland, Oregon. Um, it is. Is it a ticket still available, or is it not ticketed? Or uh, it is ticketed. Tickets are still available. Uh, so if you head over to uh you will uh, not only be greeted by a nice search box to go through the blog, um, but with the, uh, the option to look at more information about our user conference. And I think this seems. Is it your first, or have you had a few? We've had a few. This will be my third. Okay. Uh, and I think it will be number four in total. So I think it always um, seems to be the mark of a, of a project reaching a certain maturity when you have enough speakers and interest to run your own user conference. <laughs> yeah, and, and that, that's certainly true. And uh, it's also great when you've got you know, paying customers that come along and talk about their use cases yeah, as well. So exactly. And I can always see their uh, Dropbox, Adobe, I mean – companies that I use their uh, services on a daily basis for sure so yeah. <laughs> well and that's that's one of the, the, the yeah, how I often describe um, nginx is that the busier the site the more likely it is to be running nginx the, the numbers show that really really well so if you look at say netcraft or w3 techs and then their surveys the top million sites uh, 40% of those are on Nginx. The top 100,000, 50% will run Nginx, and the top 10,000, 60% will run Nginx. So, yeah, the, the, what you're interacting with daily, whether it's Pinterest, Uber, Dropbox, Netflix, um, you're, you're touching Nginx servers um, you know, at the front, in the middle, the edge. So I guess the, the wrap-up line is if, uh, if it's a popular site and it's not down, it's Nginx. Yeah, I couldn't put it better myself. <laughs>